This is Incredible Stories Podcast, Episode 3, The Real Robinson Crusoe. Hello again, everyone. I'm Zane Wind. And I'm Josh Virila, and this is Incredible Stories Podcast, bringing you incredible stories involving human achievement, odd history, and even a touch of paranormal. All incredible, all true. Zane, what's crack-a-lackin'? Uh, not much, Josh. Uh, we are entering the pretty much the first week of October, and I'm a big fan of uh, Halloween and this whole fall season. So I've got some uh, Halloween decorations coming up. Yeah, I've had plenty of pumpkin spice, and you should know I have the little uh, pumpkin spice Hershey Kisses in a little candy jar uh, near they my are, desk. They were delicious. I'm glad you liked them. <laughs> I was very pleasantly surprised. I'm thinking of uh, thinking of dropping one of those in my coffee tomorrow to see if that, uh, if it melts and it ah. tastes good. I don't know. Might be a good idea. But I, lo- I love this season. I'm going to go to Netherworld Haunted House soon, get, get my scares on, but um, I'm excited. I love Halloween time. All right. Well, you know, it is a lovely time of year. Get out of that Atlanta heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how are you doing? Uh, you know, pretty good as well. Uh, you know, other than eating all your candies and get putting on my winter weight, I yeah. think. Uh, <laughs> Got to get ready for the, think, the great uh, uh, hibernation. Yeah, you know, or, you know, just just in case uh, winter comes, winter, brace yourself because winter's coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Prophecy will come true. Well, Josh, do you know what time it is? Oh, well, uh, time. Let me just uh, get out my uh, pocket watch here. Okay, it's time for headlines. 120, where Josh and I have 120 seconds per story to tell you about interesting news. Josh, you have the honors. Go ahead. All right, well, me first. So let's go ahead and kick it off. And British man may be the first person cured of HIV. Oh, okay. So I saw this story seem pretty cool. Um, groundbreaking, if true. Mm-hmm. A 44-year-old man in England is possibly the first person in history to be cured of HIV. Wow. Scientists, um, I guess, were working on experimental new uh, therapies and kind of figured out a way to clear the virus out of his blood mm-hmm. so that the virus was no longer in the blood as, as opposed to just attacking the virus in right. the blood. So, as opposed to just tacking the the virus in the blood, they went this route, the cleaning it. I don't know how they do it. It's a bunch of science stuff, but it should be pretty uh, pretty promising. But apparently, they got a lot more tests to do, so nothing definitive. And uh, I think they said they have to continue for the next five years in experimenting. So, a ways yeah, away. I'm pretty sure they're just injecting him with money like they did in South Park. I think that's that's <laughs> the cure right there. That is the cure. That's a, a Magic Johnson has yeah. that method, yeah. and it seems to be working for him yeah. pretty well. So. so all this science talk, it's all mumbo jumbo. It's just uh, injection full of money, money and time. <laughs> all right. Well, let me know when I can go. Go ahead. All right. Stuntman successfully completes Evil Knievel's Canyon Jump. Uh, there's a stuntman named uh, Eddie Braun. He's age 54. Um, he uh, successfully jumped. The Snake River Canyon, in tribute to his boyhood idol, Evil Knievel. So this uh, 1,400-foot-wide uh, canyon, um, it's in southern Idaho. And Eddie Braun, he jumped it in a custom-built rocket dubbed Evil Spirit. Of course, uh, spelled E-V-E-L. Mm-hmm. Evil. 
Um, I like evil. Sound, evil sounds good. Well, Dr. Evil. Dr. Evil. The rocket hit an estimated 400 miles per hour before its parachute deployed, allowing Mr. Braun to land safely in the fields on the other side. Knievel failed in his attempt to tra- traverse this canyon on September 8, 1974, when his parachute deployed prematurely partway across. But he walked away uh, from this with only minor injuries. And so Mr. Braun was really excited, and he was just glad he was able to fulfill his dream and, you know, follow the footsteps of Mr. Evil Knievel. Well, that's cool. He's, he got some brass ones, that's for sure. I wouldn't do that. But, yeah. Uh, anything trying to do what Evil Knievel did, I, I think I'll just watch it on TV. It's a rare breed of people who are into that stuff, and props to them. Moving on, next headline. I'm getting better at this. <laughs> so, my next headline... How breeding with ancient human species gave Tibetans their head for heights. <laughs> Basically, uh, the, you know, the Tibetans, they live at a very high altitude, mm-hmm. right? So to do that, the human body has to be able to, you know, cope in a low oxy- oxygen environment. Right. So they've always wondered kind of how are the Tibetans so good at doing this? You know, everyone thought it must just be natural selection, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a little bit of that, but there's also a bit of DNA that Tibetans have from the group of the human tree known as the Denisovans. And you might have heard about that a few years ago. They discovered uh, in this cave in, in uh, Siberia that everyone's heard of Neanderthals and, of course, Homo right. sapiens. But there's this other group, the, the Denisovans which they say mixed with the Tibetans um, more so than other groups of people, and uh, passed on some of their DNA that is good, I guess, for processing low oxygen. Interesting. And that's why they uh, they thrive at that you know high altitude. Ah, okay, yeah, through genetics and just kind of hanging around those mountains for a long time. I guess that's what will do it. Yeah, that will, and it also do it for our time. Okay, all right. Let me know when I can go. You're on the clock. Japanese karate expert fights off bear using black belt skills. Ooh. So we have a, a 63, 63 old man. His name is Atsushi Aoki. Okay. He was uh, fishing in the mountains of the Gunma Prefecture region when this bear emerged from the woodland. The snarling black bear, reportedly standing at six foot three inches on his hind legs, set upon him in an unprovoked attack. He told Japanese broadcaster uh, broadcaster TBS. However. Mr. Aoki said he was more than a match for his assailant, fighting the animal <laughs> off of his bare hands. Pun um, intended. Despite being knocked... Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, nice. Good catch. Good catch. <laughs> I like it. Despite being knocked to the floor, um, he managed to pick himself up, and he faced his opponent in his little stance. And rather than fleeing, he used his own deadly fighting skills to take the upper hand, <laughs> punching the bear between the eyes. The animal then retreated after he had multiple jabs of the eyes. So, I mean... That seems like the best thing to do anytime a big predator comes after you, whether it be a cougar, a bear, or a you know, shark, uh, if you're in the water, go for the eyes. So uh, props to this uh, this old karate expert. Um, yeah, good for yeah. him. Wax on, wax off. If, if I had a nickel for every time I karate fought a bear, mm-hmm. I tell you, I'd probably owe a bunch of nickels. But <laughs> or you'd be dead, so I don't know. <laughs> I'd, I'd be dead, yes. All right, Josh, now what's your uh, final headline for the show? Well, my final headline today I think will be quite interesting. Medical herb or myth, Indian officials propose hunt for Sanjeevani of lore. I messed up that name. I, it's, I'm not good with my Indian words. No. Uh, let me try that. 
San Giovanni, I think is, is sure. How you say why not? It. Sure. So uh, this plant, the San Giovanni, is excuse me, uh, is <laughs> is a is an herb um, of legend from the Indian Hindu epic, the Ramayana, okay. which is a very interesting poem type of thing. But um, the herb is said to glow at night and is good for reviving people out of when they're unconscious and even reviving the dead. So this Indian official says, hey, you know what? This herb might be real. Let's go search the Himalayas for it because we haven't really done any good searches in that region for these kind of herbs. So what he is doing is mounting an expedition or at least getting the funding for it to go check out the herbs because it is said some villagers up there take this one type of plant to kind of help when they get suffer unconsciousness or whatever. So they think it might actually exist aside from the raising the dead. Oh, all right. Yeah, I, I, I'm assuming it probably doesn't raise the dead, but it probably does have some medicinal benefits. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to assume. Yeah, any herb does, right? Am I right? But am that's I also right? my time. <laughs> am I right? Am I right? <laughs> am I on the clock, Josh? You are now. Okay. All right. Now I'm kind of going along with uh, it being now October and the whole Halloween season is here. Women uh, is late for work because she lies about a clown attacking her. So all across the United States, we've having you know <laughs> probably a lot of pranksters dressing up as creepy clowns just to scare people, mess with people, mm-hmm. whatever. And so it seems like this lady, um, an 18-year-old Ohio woman, lied about being attacked by a knife-wielding clown as an excuse for being late for work. Police in the Cincinnati suburb of <laughs> Reading, of Reading, Reading, hey, Reading, ah, whatever, says... Investigators found inconsistencies in 18-year-old Alexandra Conley's story and charged her with making a false alarm, a misdemeanor. <laughs> WCPO-TV reports Connolly said someone dressed like a clown jumped a fence Saturday and waved a knife at her and cut her thumb. So, I don't know. <laughs> of course, you know. yeah. If if I had a nickel zane for every time a, a clown made me late for work, oh. I tell you, I'd have. Oh, Josh, I'd stop clowning around. Nah. Okay, we're done. <laughs> well, we'll just end it on that note, and that's headlines, headlines one twenty. All right, so as we usually do, let's jump into our main topic for today. Josh, what's going to be our incredible story for this show? Well, Zane, have you heard of Robinson Crusoe? Yeah, actually, um, you know, Did pretty you read famous the book. Yeah, pretty famous book. Um, turned into a movie, right? Or uh, was it like a TV show? I'm trying to remember. Um, I don't know if they did a TV show on that, but I mean, it's been mm-hmm. very popular in pop culture and it's made its ways in lots of things. I did not read the book, but Zane, did you know that there was a real guy that this story was inspired by? Oh, was his was his name Robinson Crusoe? No, it was not. Uh, but uh, I will tell you that. And uh, he was a Scotsman. Ah, Scotsman! Aye. All right. <laughs> Every good, incredible story is about the Scots. All right, go ahead. <laughs> so this guy, his name was Alexander Selkirk, and he spent four years on an island by himself. Jeez, four years! Wow. Yeah, four years, and you thought. Uh, you thought Gilligan had it uh, a long time, but four years. <laughs> yeah. I think that show was only on for like two years or something. <laughs> even so, it seemed like they had it good. It seemed like they were having a fun time. Yeah, you know, shenanigans and all that. But oh, yeah. uh, I, I don't think Selkirk as much. But but let's go, as most stories do, uh, let's go to the beginning here. So Selkirk, he was born in 
1676, and he was the seventh son to a shoemaker and tanner in Lower Largo, Fife, Scotland. Scotland. Yes, he was destined to live a life not boring. No. No. But although Largo at the time may be a bit boring, it, he, it was a uh, fishing village only a few minutes, Zane, from the birthplace of golf. Oh, okay, very yeah, cool. Yeah, you like golf, right? I do. I'm trying to get into it. Or, okay. Well, I'm taking lessons, so I'm getting better at it. Okay, well, I'm sure I'm sure you have a trip to Scotland in your future. That'd be nice. So- <laughs> All right, so, so this uh, Largo Fishing Village, it's really now more so a weekend destination. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more so for, like, hipsters kind of okay. thing, you know? But Selkirk, um, being the seventh son, and, and unlike many cultures, the seven was considered lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least his mother, who uh, his mother thought so. So she, like lots of moms, encouraged his dreams of um, whatever was in his head. And <laughs> it, at this time, mostly for Selkirk, it was uh, his dreams of going to sea. Mm-hmm. So uh, she pushed him to do follow his dreams. And also kind of protected him uh, from his father by, you know, shooting his faults. You know, kind of like they do now with, um, you know, spoiled kids that uh, they, they, oh, my baby, he's fine. There's nothing yeah, wrong with yeah. my baby. Uh, so she, she was very protective of Selkirk for, from his father. So Was he like the youngest son of the family? Like the seventh? Um, like no, he was son? not. He had other siblings. They had lots of kids. Okay. He was just, he just happened to be the seventh one. I didn't see exactly how many other siblings he had, but uh, he does have a younger sibling at least. Okay. And I'll get into that a little bit later here. So, counterthought to her husband, who wanted Selkirk to stay at home and help with the uh, tannery and shoemaking business. Ugh, but, sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's what people did back then, I guess. They made True. shoes and tan things. Uh, but that that's what his dad wanted him to do. He He wanted him to go into the the family business and kind of take in and really just do this thing. But Selkirk, he didn't want to do that kind of stuff. So as you can imagine, this would cause a lot of family tension. And at one point, Selkirk's father threatened to disinherit him. Oh, man. Yeah. If you don't like my shoes, you can't have my money. <laughs> so <laughs> so you see, he was um, a spoiled and wayward brat, to put it nicely. Or... Let's just call him a bit of a bastard. He was a bastard. He was a bastard of a child. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he was kind of a kind of a spoiled brat. I, I would imagine this is the case in in a lot of you know well-to-do families of the time, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, tanners, I guess, and shoemakers had a pretty good business for the day. The business is always going to be there. Yeah, you know, well, at least until they figure out how to do that mechanically. Yeah, <laughs> which wouldn't be for some time. The Nike yep, sweat yep. factories weren't around at this time. They weren't, so. oh, I thought that's where they started out at around <laughs> that, that time. Well, maybe that's why they had so many kids. They just had their own sweatshop going on there. I mean, that's <laughs> that's probably really what happened, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so, so Selkirk was known to be in trouble a lot. Like, for instance, in 1701, he was in trouble with the church for indecent behavior. Mm. So it seems like at this time, the church was kind of the disciplinary institute in their town, kind of like mm-hmm. a, a court, you know? Yeah. So what the church did, they summoned Selkirk um, to appear before them, but he did not show 
for he was conveniently out to sea at this time. That's where his dreams lie. (laughs) Of course, you know, I'm sure his mother's like, hey, you gotta get out of town, the church wants to see you. So (laughs) he skedaddled. (laughs) Skedaddle, see? Skedash, eh? He skedaddled. (laughs) That's gonna be my Scottish accent for today. So, alright. Now, in 1703, his next offense would be that of (laughs) beating his younger brother after his brother had laughed at him for accidentally drinking a can of salt water. So, of course, that's what you do with your brother, right? You just it's beat a pretty, him for... It's a pretty good prank. Like, I, I like it. Like, I myself, like, I wouldn't beat up my brother for it, but I would be like, that was pretty funny, you know? You, you guys ever get into any fisticuffs or anything? Well, I'm an only child, but I guess uh, n- nothing with, like, you know, my really good friends or anything. Mm-hmm. I had friends who had brothers, and of course, they would always go at it, so it's something I never really got into. But I've pranked my friends before and stuff, and yeah, I've, I've poured, like, Milder salt. things. Yeah, I've poured salt, like, my friends, like, you know, if they're having, like, a vodka drink, uh, they wouldn't see it, so of course their drink would taste like crap, so oh, okay. I, I, I can appreciate that prank. Sure, I, I had a couple um, friends, and uh, one of them in particular, um, him and his brother, they, uh, he, they would get in the fights all the time. One time, he kicked him into the Christmas tree, and <laughs> it fell over, and think he broke some glass um, ornaments on him. Oh man! And uh, yeah, that that was that was kind of funny. But <laughs> I guess that's what brothers that do. Off the mom doing that way, that, that can get dangerous. Though, yeah, you know? exactly. It was it wasn't a fun time to be at the house at that time. Yeah. I guess. So all right. Anyway, so Selkirk and his brother, uh, they got into this fight, and as you can imagine, it kind of caused the family ruckus. And Selkirk, uh, late, uh, after beating his brother went on to assault his father. Oh, damn. And his brother, John, and his brother's wife, Margaret. So, well, it is so, a Scottish family, after all. It is. probably I whiskey mean, involved or something. That's that's what they do, right? That's what they do. Yeah, she, that's what us Scots do. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that's got to go. <laughs> all right, I'll do it everyone. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> so after he did all this stuff, the church summoned him again. This time... He showed up and acknowledged his sin and was reprimanded in front of the congregation and he promised to make amends to the Lord. So this was good enough for the church and he was dismissed. Nice. So, you know, I, I think at this time, like, the church is like, eh, we'll just sweep it under the rug, kind of, or slap on the hand because your family's kind of prominent in our, in our town and, yeah. you know, he's the spoiled kid, so they just, like, slap his hand, go, go away, type of thing. Justice. So, yeah. But Selkirk, not really liking discipline much. So, as you can imagine, what he was feeling at this time, he was probably like, this town, is it's not for me. So, so he made moves to go away. Now, as bastardly as he was, apparently he had some smarts and convinced a buccaneer named William Dampier that he was capable of navigating his next privateering expedition expedition to South America. Okay. Well, and there are, um, going like to buccaneers and privateers and pirates, I know there's some uh, distinctions to those. I think a lot of people kind of put them all in one bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we go down, more down this little rabbit hole, uh, just to kind of explain, um, more of a generic term, uh, pirate is kind of, um, is the most encompassing. A pirate refers to uh, anyone who uh, uses kind of the sea uh, to kind of commit theft, like they, they mm-hmm. go on, they go out to sea, 
and they're raiding other uh, ships or other ports. So, and sea was a good way for them to escape. And so that, that was kind of the general term for like, you know, thieves on the high seas. And this would refer to uh, slavers, Vikings, and Somali pirates that are very active uh, nowadays. So basically anybody committing crime on the sea, right? Yeah, yeah, not just that for sure. Murder, okay. you know, all that type of thing. Um, you know, but basically, you know, pirate is someone who's breaking the law. Okay. And then privateer um, is actually an individual uh, granted license by their government to attack shippings, uh, ships belonging to an enemy government, usually during war. Uh, they're pretty much like private contractors. They receive a letter of mark from their nation's mm-hmm. admiralty, which uh, grants them permission to raid enemy ships and keep a percentage of the spoils. As long as they, uh, you know, they pay a cut of that bounty back to the government, they're all good and they get some back. Legal pirating. Pretty much, yeah. Um, <laughs> mercenary, I guess, you know, something mm-hmm. like that along those lines. And, you know, they always had to have like this uh, letter of mark with them to prove that they were a legal pirate. So they didn't get caught up by other people. Yeah. Right? Okay. And um, and buccaneer um actually um is kind of a, derives from a French term. Um, it, it's like buccaneer. Oh, I don't know how they pronounce it. Ah, <laughs> uh-huh. um, chocolate blue buccaneer. Chocolate blue. And um, <laughs> they basically they were pirates. Um, kind of operating. Well, pirates or privateers operating in the Caribbean during the late 17th century and early 18th century. So, in case you guys want to know, there are differences okay. among those swashbuckling folks. Sl- slight differences, but you know, yes. <laughs> semantics, I guess. Semantics. Yard. Continuing on. So, Dampier, now, himself was an interesting fellow. As with most privateers slash pirates, mm-hmm. uh, he was a cruel, indecisive, and incompetent sailor by some accounts, but also greatly contributed to anthropology and was somewhat of a naturalist for his time. Plus, Zane, he was the first man to circumnavigate the world three times. That's, yeah, that's really impressive. It is fairly impressive. What have you done? (laughs) I have traveled uh, to Hawaii, um, a couple Caribbean islands, around the United States. That's about it. I have definitely not gone around the world. I hope to at some point. Okay, well, maybe when you get there, you will be bestowed upon you a nice pirate name. So <laughs> I would like that. All right. So now remember ships at this time, especially pirate ships, were gross. I mean, mm-hmm. like disgusting and filthy. Yeah. They were sickness was rampant and fights and, and mutinies happened a lot. The ships always had like roaches and Ugh. rats scurrying about mm-hmm. um, like they owned the place. So oh, yeah. it wasn't the place. It wasn't like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, it wasn't. It, we've romanticized it a lot. Yeah, yeah. That looks fun. That looks like everyone has nice makeup on. No mm-hmm. one's no one's sweating at all. Just yeah. looks fun. Yeah, and if it's they're dirty, they're it's like a clean looking dirty. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For style, exactly. Uh, all right, now now Dampier, uh, he's in command of two ships: the Saint George and the Sink Ports. I think that's how you say it. Sink Ports. Sounds right. Okay. Now Selkirk was on the Sink Ports, which was. Captain by Charles Pickering, who died of a fever not long into their journey, uh, going to South America. Uh-huh. So, command of the sink port was given to a guy named Thomas Stradling. He was young. He was like a 21-year-old, upper class, not well liked by the crew. So, kind of like a hipster captain. All right. <laughs> 
Just kind of like a little cocky douchebag. I don't, I don't think you like hipsters, do you? Uh, no. I lo- if you're listening to our show, you are you are cool. Hipsters <laughs> that don't listen to our show, they're like straddling. Dead to me. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> well, damn. Well, straddling's dead, so. yeah. S- spoiler alert, straddling's dead. He, okay. He, he's not 400 years old. All right, so in 1704, they make it to Cape Horn. Okay, and Cape Horn's at the bottom of South America, the tip down there. And from there, they moseyed on up to Chile as they were doing some plundering and, you know, pirating slash privateering type stuff. Slash bucker. Buccaneering. Buccaneering. Uh, Now, at this time, the two ships uh, lose sight of each other, right? So this gave the crew of Sink Ports kind of an opening to threaten mutiny against Stradling because no one liked this guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was a young kid. And he was no. Everyone else was probably older than him. And you know, you don't want to take orders from a little punk, right? Right. So the Dampier though showed up kind of just in time to put down the mutiny, promising to the crew to keep straddling and all his dandy cockiness in check. Mm-hmm. So okay, all right. Problem squelched for the moment. Now the two ships continued plundering up and down the coast from Peru to Mexico. But now, Stradling was getting tired of Dampier. So, at this time, for reasons um, ranging from... Okay, so Stradling thought Dampier was a drunk, and he didn't like how Dampier would maroon his officers uh, and, and, and accuse him of stealing treasures and basically calling Dampier a coward in battle. He said he'd go hide while everyone else did all the dirty work. So, you know, those are pretty, that's pretty lofty things to be uh, throwing at the guy who's Sounds running like the, the perfect show. roommate. <laughs> yeah, it's a, on um, old uh, Craig, Craigslist. Craigslist, like, yeah. M- Mick Craigslist. Mick Craigslist. <laughs> so, all right. Now, in May of 1704, Stradling was like, we need a break. Okay. So he took his ship, the Sink Ports. And spent the summer pirating away from the St. George. So they're just like, all right, let's cool off. Let's go do our own things for the summer. And see if we can plunder some stuff. And, you know, we'll regroup later. We just need a, need a break. Time out, right? Mm-hmm. Now, by September, though, the ship was in bad shape. Very bad shape. Those cockroaches, they'd be yeah, taking over. Cockroaches and rats do do a number on your ship, as you can imagine. And they're doing their own mutinies. Yeah, they, they are um, they're probably eating the ship to some extent. Uh-huh. So the ship at this point was constantly leaking uh, to the extent that the crew was having to pump water day and night just to keep it afloat, right? Mm-hmm. So Selkirk was pretty sure that the ship was infested with worms. And oh, so, good. So yeah. worms, too. Worms, cockroach, and rats. <laughs> that's that's uh, quite the trio there. Very hygienic. Yeah. So Selkirk, he was... He was a very good navigator, or, you know, a confident navigator, and seemed pretty... He, he knew his way around a ship, right? So he suggested mm-hmm. that the ship's mast and floors needed repairing, like ASAP. And now, Zan, I don't know if you know much about ships, but you can't really do much without the mast and the floor of the ship. I thought, you know, just the wind just carried everything. Yeah, you, know, you tides. just float. <laughs> I thought I just, you know, and you have the little wheel. Yeah. Why, uh, you know, that doesn't... Doesn't it's not automatic? No, no? <laughs> worms okay. in that too. Okay, so as you can imagine, a ship full of worms is not very seaworthy. But at this time, the ship made its way 
to an uninhabited and secluded island known as Mas a Tierra. Okay. All right. In the and then that's in the Juan Fernandez Island archipelago. Uh, so they went there in order that's a to good word. Oh, archipelago. Yes. Yeah. That's the secret word. Ding. Ah! So they went there to recruit, uh, to recoup, uh, and try to, you know, fix the ship and the crew. Cause like I said, everyone's sick and gross on the ship. So they just needed a break from the sea for a bit. So they spent about a month here stocking up on, you know, wild turnips, goats that were on the island and crayfish and lobsters that, uh, were in the water. So it was a, it was a good island and it had all this stuff on it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that was left there by the Spaniards that, you know, first charted the islands and they would leave goats and they'd run rampant and, you know, breed. Right. So there'd be stuff there later if they came back, right? Okay. That's smart. Yeah. It's a, it was a good strategy. Bad for, you know, native wildlife, but good. Right, if right. Trying, yeah. yeah. Good, good for late future use, right? So Stradling ordered the ship after they'd been there about a month. He's like, all right, we're good now. Let's go ahead and set sail. But Selkirk, he was like, no. No, no. I'm sure, he sounded just like that too. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I, I think that's what he said verbatim. Okay. <laughs> so the ship wasn't repaired properly, and is still riddled with worms. That's what Selkirk said. He's like, yeah, you, all we did was just stop here, pick up some good food, and y- y'all didn't do anything. But Should you know, what, what chop down do? some trees or something, get some wood, more wood to kind of replace. Maybe uh, I don't know, but I don't know what the island was like. So maybe they didn't have enough, like. You know, that type of supplies. Well, I think it was pretty forested. They just, I, I can't imagine they probably didn't have the right tools to do the oh. repairs properly or even the expertise. Because, you know, this isn't, you know, this is a privateering ship. So, it's, you know, a bunch of pirates. They got people who yeah. know how to, you know, properly construct a boat from scratch. Probably they're not. Probably, they're, they're eager to get away to kind of do some more loot and plundering. Yeah, you know, they're kind of one track mind. They just want, hey, let's go get some money, right? Yeah. So, all right, so the boat's riddled with worms still, and Selkirk doesn't want to go. So he refuses to set sail, and he encouraged other crewmen not to set sail as well, for he believed the ship wouldn't last at sea, nor would it hold up to any battles. Ah, a mutiny be brewing. Arr, yar. <laughs> of course, they set off an argument between Stradler and Selkirk, and Selkirk, being a hothead, as he was known for at this time, said that he would rather be left on this island than to set sail on this turd of a ship. Or whatever colorful language he probably used. Yes. Uh, naturally, Stradler was like, deal, and set Selkirk ashore with his personal effects, which included his bedding, two pounds of tobacco, a flask of rum, a musket, a pistol, gunpowder, a hatchet, a knife, his navigation tools, a pot, a Bible... And some cheese and jam. Well, thank God he had some cheese. That's just, I mean, that's the most important thing out of all those items. Cheese make, makes everything better. I mean, that's that's a pretty sweet deal if you know you're going to be on an island for a while. I mean, you know, Tom Hanks, you know, yeah, nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, except <laughs> yeah. his the clothes on him and, um, and volleyball. some shoes. Yeah, well, he found the volleyball later, but he oh, really yeah. didn't have nothing. But this guy, he had some cheese and jam. What, what three things would you want on an island if you were to be left there, Zane? Uh, uh, well, you know, if I'm going to be really practical and survive, uh, rope. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Some flint, um, to make fire. And, uh, I guess, 
Yeah, some sort of weapon. Like if I can get like a, I don't know, a spear or something. Mm. Like just yeah, like a long like you know spear, and that can be used for multiple things. For the very basics for survival, I think that would be good to have. You know. Okay. How about you? Uh, I'd go with the pot, so you could boil water in it and carry water. A knife and a flint, so I can make fire. You, uh, okay, I regret two of the things. <laughs> well, the rope, rope will come in handy when you want to hang yourself, good. I guess. Uh, yeah, knife, knife and pot, yes, okay. Yeah. So, alright, so that's, that's what I'd want, but he seemed to have a pretty good stash here going for him. Um, so, alright, so basically, Straddling called his bluff, and Selkirk, I guess, had, um, a moment of regret and second thoughts, as no other crew members opted to join him. And, and he was like, Straddling! Boss, I was just kidding. Ha ha. Can, can I come back, please? Please save me back on the ship. Yeah. And, and Straddling was like, no. So, I mean, that makes sense to me, Zane. Would you take back a known troublemaker who undermined your authority? Nah, probably not. I would uh, yeah. leave him there. I'd say that was the right call by Straddling uh, from a commanding point of view. I mean, this guy's he's a troublemaker, right? He's trying to mutiny you and uh, clearly you guys don't get along. So, you know what? Have fun on your island. Peace. So, okay, so Selkirk was now all by himself on this island. He figured he would be rescued shortly, but little did he know he would be there for four years. Oh, yeah. God. I, I can't even imagine. I just, I just can't even imagine that. Like, Yeah, well, he gets, uh, you know, it's pretty heavy. But uh, so let me first get into a note about this island. So it was a decent size island. Uh, it was about 39 square miles and had two smaller islands near it. However, it was 416 miles from Chile. So that was... He, they were a far way out there, you know? Yes. There's, you're not swimming back to shore. You, there's not really much around you other than this one island and two little ones kind of nearby, but not close enough really for you to you know, swim to either. Yeah, you're not building a raft out of a porta potty with your little volleyball <laughs> and making it out. I don't think it's going to happen. No, probably not. So, the first couple months, Selkirk went into what we would call, you know, a deep depression and contemplated suicide. And who could blame him? I mean, here is some of what, here, here's just a touch of what he had to deal with the first few months. Maddening hunger, nonstop bellowing elephant seals kept him up all night, Lovely. and, and <laughs> as well as rats who would gnaw at his clothing and his feet as he slept. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he had to deal with, like, crabs, too. Like, like sleeping on the beach, like, that's that's really... No, ugh, no. You know, rats are pretty nasty um, creatures. You probably don't think much. I mean, people are like, yeah, rats are gross, you know. But yeah, they'll, uh, you know, when they're hungry, they'll, they'll come at you. Oh, yeah, and, for sure. Um, you know, that's in this island, um, like, like with the goats, I mean, that's what comes aboard. Uh, islands where people back then would would go there rats would get off the ship and go on the island mm-hmm. it's not like they meant meant for them to they just that's what they did oh yeah so after you know this month or so uh he snapped out of his sadness and being stranded on this island he started figuring it out right so to kind of counter some of the problems he had mostly with the rats he domesticated some of the feral cats that were on the island. Oh, okay. Uh, and also also a byproduct of the ships, you know, the cats were yeah, off, too. Yeah, yeah. So he, he um, domesticated some of the cats as best as he could and built his shelter near them so that they would keep the rat problem in check. Well, yeah, that's Very pretty smart. Sp- yeah, that's smart. It's, 
hey, let's use what I, what I got here. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, he would stop just sitting there, you know, being sad all day and, and from the hunger. And he's like, you know what? I got a lot of resources here. We got, we got fish on the island. We got lobster. So he went and, you know, would eat that every day. And as well as he would hunt the goats that were on the island. Uh which are a good source of protein. Oh, yeah. And and they were all over the island. Like, this island had a ton of goats. And um, it was a big island, so they had a lot of room to breed, and goats eat anything, so they were set. Mm -hmm. He also would harvest the turnips and cabbage that were growing on the island and had available to him pepperberries. So, you know, not too shabby. Had a good pantry available to him. Yeah, as long as you have your mindset and you're willing to kind of work every day, Mm -hmm. it's a brave situation, that's, that's not too bad. Yeah, I mean, there's worse, There's worse, I guess. Oh, so, yeah. Yep. <laughs> a little bit worse. So he was re- resourceful, right, using all the things he found on the island. Uh, for instance, he made, uh, he made a new knife out of uh, a barrel hoop that he found on the beach. Okay. Uh, and he also used skills from uh, his childhood uh, from helping his father in a tannery because, you know, this knowledge was indispensable for him as he could use the goat hide to make him new clothes when they wore out. And he was complaining and bitching to his dad the whole time, like I, I don't, I don't like this tannery business. It's never gonna, it's never gonna help me in the future. <laughs> yeah, how many times is your dad like? You have to think back. It's like, ah, dad, you were right. Yeah, yeah, very <laughs> true. So, all right, now eventually his gunpowder ran out, right? So mm-hmm. this forced him to hunt the goats by foot. This dude, <laughs> he he would chase goats down, like. Without guns. He chased him down to kill him. And now, also remember, his clothing's his clothing wore out, too. Yeah. So, so he's barefoot while doing this. Now, can, can you imagine the thick dragon hide he had on his feet to run across an island chasing goats all over? Yeah, I mean, you're on the island for four years, like, and, you know, you're going to adapt. Um, I just, it's just interesting. I, I wonder how long it took for him to get comfortable you know, actually running around, you know, all, probably almost naked, to be honest. Like, Well, he made just, the goat skins. That's true. But, like, okay, let's say he has no sandals or any type mm-hmm. of shoes on or anything. Um, so maybe six months, would you say? Or, you know, maybe a little less than that for you to feel adjusted, like, running around like that? Yeah, I, I guess at least, unless this guy has some, like, hobbit feet, like, for straight up. Well, they're, <laughs> they're, they're probably more suited for that type of thing like you know they're more rugged type of people back then so they weren't not as soft as us little punks yeah Um, that's true (laughs) scotsman yeah so so speaking of chasing you know the goats right this led him to great trouble as one day he was chasing a goat or playing a spirited game of tag with it i mean who knows what you do when you're born on an island right (laughs) well so he's chasing this goat and he ended up falling off a cliff and near broke his back. Mm. Yeah, but don't, luckily... Don't move, bro. This is clown, clown move, bro. <laughs> you think you'd know where the cliffs were by this time, but apparently he didn't know. So, but, but lucky for him, he landed on the goat, which <laughs> spared him greater injury and from dying, I'm sure. So guys running around barefoot, falls off a cliff, lands on a goat, goat's dead, he's alive, but... He was unable to move for about a day, so he probably had a massive concussion. Yeah. But he, he, he recovered slowly and was soon, you know, back to himself. So I think about a week or so, it took him to really fully get back to his old self. So, and what he would do to pass his time on the island, you can only run down goats so much. Uh-huh. Uh, he spent days... Or fall on them. Or falling on them, yeah. 
He, he would spend his days watching for ships on the horizon, ready to signal them, right? Because, you know, you want to get rescued, you got to signal the ships in if you see them. They can't see you there. Right. So one day, two ships did manage to land on the island. However, they were Spanish ships. Ah. Yeah, and this was no good for Selkirk, because, remember, he was a Scottish privateer, a.k.a. a pirate. Well, a Mm. pirate from the Spanish perspective. Because they're trying to rob the Spanish ships. Yeah, yeah. So um, the Spanish, you know, that's who they've been pirating all this time um, in South America. But if the Spanish would have caught him, they would have tortured or killed him for sure. So he tried to hide. Oh, but they saw him. Dun, dun, dun. Hola, Fernando. What do you think of this island? Not bad, Miguel. But do you notice that goat smell? Good lord, it's everywhere. Es no bueno. Oh, that's goat? I thought your madre was ashore. <laughs> Mi madre! Why, I oughta. Uno, uno momento, uno momento. Que esta? What is that? El hombre! He runs like a Scotsman. Rapido, let's give chase. This way, I saw him run into the forest. Donde esta el hombre? No se. Let us leave. But first, we must relieve ourselves under this tree, which apparently nothing is in. But little did the Spaniards know that Selkirk was in that tree, but at this point they had given up and sailed away. So, yeah, Selkirk, he he was in this tree, and these Spaniards are peeing on the bottom of the tree. They're looking for him, and they're peeing right below the tree that he's stuck in. I mean, yeah, it's definitely a close call. How crazy is that? I mean, lucky he didn't like drop a coconut on their head or something. I, I was about to say, you know, if, if there wasn't the immediate danger, it would be kind of that'd be a funny little prank, you know, if it doesn't hurt someone, throw a <laughs> coconut at someone. That, that would be know, very Gilligan's Islandy or, or at that point. Kind of scare him at the very least, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, so they sailed away. All right, so now it's 1709, and into view was a sail of an English privateering ship. Okay. The Duke. The Duke. Captain by Woods Rogers. Uh-huh. Now, you can imagine the overwhelming joy Selkirk at this time. Nothing but beard and goatskins, right? Mm-hmm. So he runs toward this party because uh, he recognizes them as friendly, right? And he sees and, the flag, I'm assuming. And, right, yeah. He sees the flag, so he knows they're friendly. So he's combined with joy and and years of not speaking to anyone right so he sounds like a bumbling idiot albeit a happy one but if you're on an island you're not talking to anybody you might lose some of your communication skills right oh yeah i bet yeah you're mostly just kind of inside your own head you know or mumbling mumbling to yourself at the very least and they did not have volleyballs at this time so he didn't have a wilson nope no volleyball (laughs) it's very sad all right so upon rescue Guess who was Rogers' navigator? Uh, None other than William Dampier, who was... Damn, what are the, what are the odds of that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. But now, Dampier was serving as the navigator, and he recognized Selkirk through all his crazy wild men, Robin Williams look from Jumanji. Hey. <laughs> what year is it? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, you know. So, yeah. But he recognized him from the St. George and St. Port's voyage because, you know, that was his kind of boy, I guess. And he probably, I mean, he's been to this island obviously before, so, I mean, mm-hmm. the connection was probably, you know, pretty apparent. 
Well, Dampier wasn't on that island when he got marooned there, right? Because remember, they had split up uh, with the other Oh, ship. my fault, my fault. Yeah, okay. yeah. But, but he knew him because he essentially hired him to be on with his first voyage. Right. So you're now, now you're Selkirk, and you've been on this island for four years, partly because of your hot-headedness. Uh-huh. Now, imagine when Dampier tells you that the sink ports, which had left you on this island, was in fact sunk shortly after off the coast of Peru. Oh, man. Killing almost everyone except about a dozen of the crew and that little biznitch straddling. <laughs> but straddling and the surviving crew were taken prisoner by the Spanish. Sweet vindication. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess through his head, like, that that would have been like, you know, wow, I was right. Mm-hmm. But I went through four years of, like, the hardest shit, like, anyone can go through to survive. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like, was it worth it that I, you know, stuck around? Or maybe, you know? Yeah. But I can't even imagine his, his thought process, you know? Well, I, I imagine he was probably happy at some point. But, you know, the upside is he's rescued, right? Yeah. But the downside is now... Now he has to eat that crappy ship food because <laughs> uh, on ship pirate ships at this time, or you know these type of ships, they just had you know really salty meats, um, hard hard like tack type of meals. Oh it yeah, just, yeah, it's not good. And you got to deal with those uh, roaches and uh, those rats again. And those right, yeah, maybe you, some worms. Maybe some worms might be better actually because this food is so preserved, right? Mm-hmm. But Rogers, he did make Selkirk the ship's navigator because I mean, he was skilled in this. And this was oh, yeah. you know, every ship needs a good navigator. Uh, but he wasn't to go home just yet. All right. Apparently, as bad as his last crew was at privateering, that's how good this ship's new crew was at privateering. So they robbed many of Spanish galleons and then returned to London in 1711, eight years after Selkirk left in the first place. Oh, Man, that, oh. that's that's a journey. That's yeah. some voyage there. We rescued you, but we're still going to continue our jobs and be on the sea for four more years. Yeah. Sorry. Well, you know, honestly, I think Selkirk probably liked that because it gave him an opportunity to do the privateering that he originally went out to do. Yeah, that's, that's, that's possible. So, okay, upon returning home, right, uh, back in London... Uh, Selkirk became a bit of a celebrity after Woods Rogers and a writer named Richard Steele wrote the account of Selkirk. So they kind of did like a, you know, like a, I guess like a serial type thing in the, in the newspapers up there and told about, yeah. you know, Selkirk's incredible story. I think you could consider Selkirk a bit of a, I don't know, Kanye oh, type Lord. of celebrity uh, is kind of like an eccentric asshat to say the <laughs> least. <laughs> So he's famous and with money uh, on account. Let's we'll call him Selkeezy for now Sel- on. Selkeezy. <laughs> yeah, so Selkeezy. Uh, so he's famous and has some money on account of his share of the plunder from, and, you know, being rescued and being the navigator there. Uh, basically, he went around to the pubs telling his tales of the sea for free meals and drink. Not a bad gig. Yeah. I tell you, whenever I go to the pubs and I offer to tell... My sweet, sweet story of life. <laughs> Nobody offers me anything for free. <laughs> no, I'm sure they just kick you out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what happens, but <laughs> oh, whatever. Well, moving on. Now, it didn't take long for Selkirk to become old Selkirk again. And in 1713, he assaulted a shipwright and may or may not have been imprisoned for two years. Oh, Selkiezy, man. 
So, Keezy, what are you doing, man? So, you'd think after this he, he would settle down some? Nope! So, Kirk may have been married to two women at the same time. My man. You scabby dog, you. So, apparently, he eloped in 1717 after returning to Lower Largo, you know, his hometown. He married a last name, Sophia Bruce. And apparently, the time on the island did change him, though. As, as some account, he tried to replicate his time there by building some <laughs> sort of cave-like structure behind oh his father's goodness. house. Oh, jeez. Yeah, he would just look at the harbor all day and... Become somewhat of a he became somewhat of a loner. Oh yeah, and, I mean, uh, yeah, he probably couldn't just sleep in a regular bed, you know, anymore. You yeah, know? so used to sleeping on the freaking ground. Well, yeah, I mean, it's four years of uh, that sweet soft rocks. You gotta, yeah, well, I don't want a hay bed, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. All right, so of course he continued his drinking and fighting as well at oh, this time. He's Scottish after all. Yeah, he is. You know, that's uh, I guess the what they do uh, stereotype. <laughs> Apologies there. All right, so in 1719, Daniel Defoe. Now, this is the guy who wrote The Life and Strange, Surprising Adventures of Robinson Crusoe. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's the guy. So, Selkirk was now 43. And when Defoe wrote this novel of Robinson Crusoe, Many consider this to be the first true English novel. Oh, okay. Which, you know, it was very popular at the time, and it was like a, a big crazy thing. You know, everyone mm -hmm. loved that, this story. So Selkirk, at the age of 43, after this book was written with Daniel Defoe, uh, he went off to sea again after <laughs> enlisting into the Royal Navy. Follow right, those so, dreams, boy. Follow those follow dreams. Follow those dreams, mama. Mama, what, what are you telling me to do? <laughs> Go out to sea, son. I love you, mommy. I'm doing it for you, and I'm doing it for myself. <laughs> so this time he was legit, though, right? Because he was in the Royal Navy, so not yeah. pirating or anything like that. He's he's trying to go to, I guess, the straight and narrow or some, some work for him. Right. Okay, so now in 1920, he got married to another lass named Francis Candace, a <laughs> widowed innkeeper. Man, he's, a, he's just slaying it right now. <laughs> he is. I mean... Hey, he's, uh, Alexander freaking Selkirk. Mm-hmm. Girls like the D. <laughs> they do. <laughs> Especially from Selkizy. That's awful. All right, so she's a widowed innkeeper. All right, so while he's serving on his current ship called the HMS Weymouth, um, serving, ironically, Zane, in an anti-piracy patrol off the west coast of Africa. Makes total sense. Yeah, you know, full circle. Full yeah. circle. Well, I'm glad. It, I mean, the guy just kept on going, you know. It's good for him. It's nonstop. Yeah. Yes, he did. Well, except at this time he died. Oh. Oh. Okay. Ah. Uh, us pull run out for Selkizy. <laughs> Apparently, um, there was a, a big yellow fever epidemic on his ship, right? Ah. Uh, yellow fever claimed him, as it did many people on this voyage, and he was just kind of buried out at sea. You know, just kind of kicked off the ship and dumped there kind of unceremoniously, right? I know, like, disease was such a big cause of death back in those days, you know, and throughout history. It just seems kind of lame that he just got hit with yellow fever 
Like, with all this crap he went through, he wasn't Mm -hmm. killed by sword fight or a gunshot or battling some sort of, like, a warthog, like, trying to kill it, like, on the island. (laughs) Yeah. But he went out by yellow fever. It's like, oh. He he went out Oregon Trail style by disease. (laughs) Oh. Uh, but you know what's it's not all sad because in 1966 the Chilean government renamed the westerly most island in the Juan Fernandez archipelago Mas Afuera Island to Alejandro Selkirk Island. Alejandro. Yeah. Now this wasn't the island that he was on, but the okay. island that he was on was the Mas Atierra Island, and that island, the one that he was actually marooned on became known as Robinson Crusoe Island. And that's the story of the real Robinson Crusoe. So what do you think about that, Zane? Well, that was definitely um, a really good story. Um, I didn't really know too much about the background of Robinson Crusoe. Um, I definitely mm-hmm. didn't know um, it was based off uh, based on a man with a different name. And what an uh-huh. incredible life that guy had. Um, I mean, it Yes, definitely no boring no, moments. No, no boring moments. Um, you know, good for him. He got to live his dream of you know, living on the out in the high seas, and um, mm-hmm. you know, I guess you know he was a legal pirate, so he was able to have all the fun that pirates have, but not really get in trouble too much. Uh, but I, I just can't even imagine being marooned on an island for four years. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, this what an amazing individual. Even if he was kind of a jerk, kind of a hothead, mm-hmm. the fact that he can go through all this, and and you know, the sea always called him back. So um, you know. It, it was his mistress. Yeah, yeah it was his mistress. As well as those other two ladies. Yeah, was, poor, poor them. At first, it was, the first mistress was the sea and these two other ladies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you know what I thought was interesting uh, about this story, and I touched on it a little bit near the end there, is that he, he seemed to actually miss his time on the island um, once he got off of there. Because uh, it didn't seem that bad once he realized how to survive there, because he had all this fresh food. He could, you know, do whatever he wanted, mm-hmm. um, and he was just kind of, like, left to be in his own solitude, which, and, and I didn't really get into it too much, but it kind of made him reflect more uh, uh, inside himself. Mm-hmm. So, I think it calmed him down a lot, just being in that nature and solitude. Uh, he, he didn't have all the distractions of drink and women and, you know, fighting that he had when he was off the island, and I think... You know, that might have been part of the reason why he tried to recreate it uh, behind his father's house in that cave-like thing. Because he's like, you know, I was a much better person when I was by myself yeah. with just the goats. You know, it was like, uh, that, that was a really interesting um, psychological uh, effect of being on an island for four years. Is just, you know, what is that, you know, what does that do to you going back into modern society? And I, I guess we get that, uh, that a little bit. Whenever, you know, you go on vacation or something okay. and you, maybe you go to the tropics and you're, you're chilling out. But uh, the island that he was actually on wasn't, uh, wasn't a Caribbean island like in Robinson Crusoe. Okay. It was a little bit cooler. It's like 70 degrees kind of all year oh. round. So, be, yeah. It was really nice, actually. It, yeah, it was nice. And uh, I just, you know, part of me wants to say that I wouldn't mind living a life like that. You know, with with maybe a companion, you know, maybe well, I'll bring my wife with me. Yeah. <laughs> me and her can live on the island by ourselves. What about you? Could you do Yeah, that? I've actually thought of that scenario before, too. You know, especially with, like, the modern stresses of work um, and just, like, dealing with just traffic and all the, the modern BS, really. 
I think it would if if I was kind of guaranteed like yeah you're gonna be alone on an island as long as like I have the proper tools and like I can see myself like I think it would be a very you know kind of cleansing thing for you for your body and soul maybe but you know it would be definitely hard but I I thought about it and I always love the beach so I think oh yeah I mean I don't know if I, I could do four years I think you have to pay me a lot of money to do that but. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, th- I think a lot of people would kind of agree with that, too, to be honest. Okay. Well, that's, um, you know, that, that wraps it up for, for the story. But let's, uh, let's, let's finish it off truly with some haikus. Alrighty. Then. Trigger that Zen music. Triggered. Now, uh, again, a disclaimer, I made three. You did again, three again, okay. Because I, I love the haikus. <laughs> I, I did two, so I guess... I guess I'll right. do... I'll go first. Okay, go ahead. The first haiku, a Scotsman at sea. He is bored. There is no golf. What's he do with goats? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. It's kind of a weird little disabrupt ending, but that's the format yeah, of Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> I, like the, I like the golf part added to that. That was nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I guess I'll go to mine. You hit me with it. All right. Brash... Alex Selkirk, dreams of life on the high seas, marooned with Tom Hanks. <laughs> Tom Hanks again? Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, don't want to travel with him. I'm telling you. Yeah, that, you know what? That's that was very very poetic, Zane. That was Thank nice. You. I liked it. it. flowed It flowed well. Mine not so much, but you, you so far doing very well. All right, here's my next one. Knock knock. Who is there? It's just us, the island rats. We here to eat toes. Ah. <laughs> oh, I liked it. That was good. Um, okay, all right. Those damn rats. <laughs> um, <laughs> tasty, tasty toes. Yes. Okay, I uh, will go to my last one. Uh, Selkirk, a hothead, loved privateering and chicks. His <laughs> line was, Yo ho! <laughs> this flirting line. This oh, man, line. that was yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> man, you slaying it. You slaying it like Selkizi did with the oh, honeys. Yes. yes. Selkizi. All right, my last one. Alone and crazy. I'm Selkirk. I'm also him. Shut up, me. Okay. Oh. <laughs> that, that was your best one. I like that. Yeah, yeah. It's. That's, I can only uh, <laughs> imagine if he had. The, he probably had those conversations with himself. Yeah, I, yeah. What do you do at that mm-hmm. point? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's our uh, show for today. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at IncredPod, and check out our site, IncrediblestoriesPodcast.com. Send us an email and check out our show notes on the site. For Incredible Stories Podcast, I'm Josh. And I'm Zane. And remember, the journey of a thousand tales begins with the first word. Peace. Good